0: your church, and I want to begin by thanking you for your interest and your support in our ministry and for your financial gifts. You have, over the years, provided thousands of Bibles for people in Russia and Eastern Europe. Friends, all I can say is this, that only eternity will reveal what has been accomplished because of your prayers, your love, your support, and your gifts so good to be with your pastor. He's a real friend. We have a a mutual friend in Canada that got us together many years ago. And so I feel close to him in that regard and because of his uh, friendly manner. And uh, for all of you that have greeted us this evening and welcomed us, especially one gentleman. I don't know where he is, but he'll know. He's a real friend of mine because we were talking at the back. And uh, he wanted to know if I was still traveling the world. And I said, oh, yeah, preaching every Sunday. And he said, that's wonderful. He said, but when you're 50, you got that kind of energy, don't you? (laughs) So he's a real friend. I don't know where. Where is he anyway? There there he is back there. Oh, I want to tell you, he's got good eyes, that man, good eyes. (laughs) The fact of the matter is that um, I pastored for a little over 20 years, and I served as a district superintendent for a number of years. And uh, now, 27 years in this ministry, and y'all look and say, Wow, how could that be? He looks so young. I know. That's what you're saying. Well, I don't know about that, but as long as the Lord gives us strength, we are anxious to continue our work. And what a thrill to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. And to serve Him, and to be able to provide Bibles for people who have never had a copy. Of the Word of God. I want to tell you a little bit about it and uh, a few other things this evening that I'm sure will encourage you and challenge you. These are the last days. Jesus is coming soon. And we must be about our Father's business while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can sleep. Let me just say this that our ministry, and if you didn't get one of our brochures, there's a number on the back table you can pick up after the service. We are primarily involved in providing Bibles. For the churches and people of Russia and Eastern Europe. And over the years, we're not a large ministry, but we've had the privilege of placing over 100,000 copies of the Word of God in that part of the world. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. And, uh, But we also support about 15 pastors, conduct Bible seminars for ministers who have had no theological, formal theological training. And uh, have two daily radio programs we support in Russia. And just assist the church in any way that we are able to do. And we've been thrilled to see what God is doing today in that part of the world. And we want to share a few of those things with you this evening. And we're going to begin by showing a little DVD. And uh, it's self-explanatory, about 10 minutes in length. So uh, if our technicians are ready, we'll flip off the lights and we'll be all set. And we'll have the video Russia, compromise or... forgot the name of it myself. <laughs> I've only seen it about a thousand times, wrote it, read it, and everything else. But anyway, combat or... Oh, Com- compromise. All right. I'll remember for the next service. <laughs> ...celebrate their recently acquired religious freedom. This congregation rejoices by singing Slavonavoga, which means glory to God. However, since the demise of communism, Russia has made a 180 degree turn. Democracy and freedom have arrived. Persecution and interrogation, for the most part, have disappeared. Churches are being constructed. Large congregations assemble for worship. The gospel is proclaimed. And Bibles are being translated, printed, And distributed. During the past decade, over 100,000 copies of the scriptures have been placed in Russian and Ukrainian schools, and Christian values and biblical principles taught to students. Similar changes have also occurred in other Eastern European nations, though limited in supply. Bibles are being freely distributed in most of these countries. Every month, we finance Bible production and distribution. But what a thrill to personally give Bibles to someone without the Scripture. Recently, Christian leaders in Macedonia appealed to us for Bibles and New Testaments. When none were available, we had them printed. Here pastors of various denominations carry boxes of Bibles for their congregations. What a thrilling day. A day filled with excitement and euphoria. They were piled not only in, but on top of their fields. (coughs) Many Bulgarian churches also lack Bibles. Some don't have any. On this occasion, we personally delivered over 3,000 copies of the Word of God. This pastor was a member of the Bulgarian parliament as well. Approximately 50 pastors enthusiastically received Bibles for their members. The few Bibles in this church were falling apart. Bibles were so limited the church served as a lending library. a secret police who terrorized believers. But one day, while recovering from a near fatal accident, the Lord miraculously spoke to him and said, read the Bible. The experience was so dramatic, he felt compelled to read the scriptures, which transformed his life. Since then, he has personally founded scores of churches and delivered tens of thousands of Bibles. This cruel persecutor of the church has become one of Eastern Europe's greatest champions of the cross. Today, the vast majority of religious people living in most of the countries of the former Soviet bloc are listed as Orthodox Christians, but few attend church even on special occasions. In fact, many in these nations, because of their atheistic and communist background, don't even know who Jesus is. Incredible, but true. Yet on the other hand, millions have come to Christ because people just like you have provided Bibles through generous gifts. But can you imagine... Never having a Bible, or not having sufficient funds to purchase a copy of the scriptures, or not knowing where to secure a copy of the Word of God, or not even having a translation in your tongue, or not even being aware that there was a Bible. Multitudes wait for their copy of the word of God Jesus said for as much as you do it unto one of the least of these you do it unto me your participation may well mean their salvation pastor mentioned Ukraine just a moment ago, and uh, for years we did minister in Ukraine, but then the Lord directed us in another area, although we still go back there. But I don't know whether you're aware of it or not. During the time of the Soviet Union, there were 15 republics, of which, of course, Ukraine was one. There were more Christians, more churches, more Bibles in the Ukraine than the other 14 republics of the Soviet Union put together. So we need to pray because there's a lot of Christians in a relative sense in that part of the world and they need our prayers. The largest Christian church in all of Europe is not in London and it's not in Mora or whatever we how we pronounce that. But rather it's in the capital of the Ukraine. And so we need to pray for that part of the world, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. If you have your Bibles this evening, we're going to read some very familiar words from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to ask you to stand, please, as we read the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Would we stand, please, for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Paul speaking to his young son in the gospel here. He says Timothy but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. Amen. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. (laughs) Russia is completely unpredictable and volatile. Those were the words that were spoken to me by the pastor of one of the largest evangelical churches in Russia just a short time ago. And of course, he was right. Just consider the situation of Russia over the last few years. If we were to go back before the time of communism, Russia was a relatively religious country. Then communism moved in And, of course, we know what happened. One of their goals was to eliminate the very thought of the existence of God in the minds and the hearts of the people. Churches were closed. Bibles were banned and burned. And multitudes of Christians were tortured and martyred for their faith. It was a devastating time. But then, miraculously, (laughs) things changed. Without a single shot being fired... Or a single uh, soldier going into combat. The Iron Curtain came down with a crash. The Berlin Wall fell. And communism was defeated and mankind was set free. I believe that it was an intervention of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. And after that, revival broke out in Russia. All over the place. So many places there were no pastors to pastor the churches. And one of the crying need today is for clergymen who have any kind of theological training, not only in Russia but Eastern Europe. But not only that, Russia itself became aware of their moral needs. And the Russian government realized that communism had produced a moral vacuum in their land. And So they asked the Department of Education if they would uh, develop a Russian morality, which they did. I may have shared this with you the last time I was here, but so thrilling was it that the one that was chosen to head the whole program was the deputy director of education for Russia, Dr. Olga Luzenko, a communist. But as she began to do research, it led her to the Bible and what the Bible had to say about morality. And when she began to research the Bible, the Holy Spirit began to speak to her heart, and the Deputy Minister of Education for Russia gave her life to Jesus Christ. Praise God. Well, that changed everything. She convinced her committee that they ought to base Russian morality on the Word of God. The issue went to Russian government, and miraculously... Russia decided that they would adopt the Bible as their standard and textbook for moral behavior. Can you say amen again? A high note in their situation. But now, just a couple of, well, a few months ago, Russia made a sinister move once again. And the government passed legislation that halts all funding of non-governmental agencies from outside the country. Now, by a non-governmental agency, we are primarily talking about Bible ministries and human rights organizations. And what it did was to cripple many of the Bible ministries in Russia because they were totally dependent upon funding from the Western world, the outside world. And so they had to pack up and leave. And go home. Of course, Mr. Putin, he defended his action by simply saying it was a necessary action on our part so that we could protect our country and our interests uh, from interference from the outside world and other countries. Just as he's saying about Crimea right now. Just as he is saying about placing tens of thousands of soldiers on the border of the Ukraine. Well, the fact of the matter is, in spite of all of this, we have had the privilege as a ministry of of placing three shipments of Bibles in Russia already this year. Praise God. And so we are thrilled about it. The fact is, Russia needs the Word of God. Uh, Eastern Europe needs the Word of God. Many areas of the world need the Scriptures Oh, there's lots of Bibles in Britain. We don't have to worry about that. If you want a Bible, you can get a Bible. But that's not the way it is in the rest of the world. And people need the Word of God. And that's what we are all about. The fact of the matter is, I got a letter, just an email, just a couple of days ago from the pastor who said to me uh, in my opening comments, Russia is unpredictable and volatile. He said to me as he put me on the plane just a a few days ago, uh, as I was leaving uh, Russia, he said, Jim, as thankful as we are for the Bibles that are coming in, the people that are coming to Christ and what's happening in our land, we must realize that Russia is so unpredictable and volatile, the iron curtain, or rather the curtain uh, could come down and the the door to the gospel could close any time. In the immediate future, we must be about our father's business while it is day. People need the word of God. You know, I was thinking of the Wycliffe and what they had to say. There's probably no better source than Wycliffe. Here's what they say. They said that in the world, there are 6,877 languages and dialects spoken. About 7,000 languages. All right? Simplified? Do you know how many of those languages have a full translation of the word of God? 7,000 languages? 518, that's all. Less than one-tenth of all the languages and dialects of the world have a full translation of the word of God. Approximately 2,000 languages don't have any part of the Bible whatsoever. Sounds pretty drastic. Sad. The only thing that tempers it a little bit is the fact that the major languages of the world do have the Word of God. And so that changes the picture somewhat. The fact is that there are about 5 billion people in our world that have or can have a Bible in their primary language. But there's about 2 billion that don't have the Bible in their primary language. So the Bible is available for most people in a language they can read. The problem is they don't have Bibles. You see, it's one thing to translate the Bible. It's another thing to print enough Bibles so everybody can have a copy. Let me tell you, just a prize example. We were called into Macedonia last year, just a few months ago. Uh, by all of the denominations, not one. It's a small country today, 2 million people, about the size of Northern Ireland. There's about eight denominations there. They said, we don't have Bibles. Many of our churches don't have any Bibles at all. Some of them, just a few. Can you help us? We need the Word of God. Well, that's what we're all about. And so we said, yeah, we'll be glad to help. And so we went to the United Bible Society, the largest Bible producer in the entire world. And said, we would like to buy some Macedonian Bibles. And they said, we don't have any Macedonian Bibles. So we went to the Bible League. And we said to them, we would like to secure some Bibles. And they told us the same thing. Last year, you were not able to buy a Bible and what we refer to oftenly as Bible, Macedonia. Although the Macedonian Bible was translated a hundred plus years ago, they still don't have Bibles for their people. Many churches have no Bibles at all. And that's where we come into play, to provide Bibles for people who have never had the Word of God. Well, the fact is, we began by financing Bibles. Both of these organizations, wonderful organizations, doing a mighty work for God said, we'll we'll print the Bibles if you want to finance them. And we did just that. Now, we may have been a small part of the catalyst, but for whatever reason, both of them are now producing Macedonian Bibles, and we rejoice at that, but there's still such a tremendous need. But then again, there are many people who need Bibles, but they can't afford a Bible. You go to Bulgaria with me, and you'll find that 80% of the Christians there are gypsy, Roma. But 90% of the gypsies are unemployed. The people that need to buy Bibles haven't got a job. They don't have any money. They can't buy Bibles. That's where we come into play once again, in the middle, providing the Word of God for people who do not have a copy of the Holy Scriptures. That Bible in my hand is a full Russian Bible. But it's not the most popular Bible in Russia. Somebody says, well, what's the most popular Bible? The King James or the NIV or what? Well, the fact of the matter is, is it's the children's Bible. The children's Bible, the most popular Bible in Russia. We just can't keep them in stock. We can print them for about five pounds as we can this full Russian Bible. But uh, we have provided thousands of these, and you have helped us. And many adults as well as children Read the children's Bible, and many thousands have come to Christ through reading the children's Bible. And in our missionary offering, whatever is received this evening will not come to us. We will fly back to Canada, and we won't be five cents richer than when we came. But maybe because of you, somebody in Russia or Eastern Europe will receive a copy of the Word of God. Come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior. So in the offering, whatever you give, you know it's going for Bibles and ministry in Russia and Eastern Europe. you want to write a check, write it to the church or to Marie, M-R-E-E, whatever the pastor would guide you. Or you can use Visa or MasterCard, as you'll see on the little uh, brochure that we gave you. And I'll say no more. Just so you know tonight, it's not coming to us. We're not here to raise money for ourselves. But people need the Word of God in Russia and Eastern Europe. Well, I was traveling through Bulgaria the other day, and uh, the pastor I was with, he said to me, uh, Jim, would you like to go and see the church in Krupnek? I'd never even heard of Krupnek. How many know where Krupnek is? Pastor, have you ever been to Krupnek? You're a world traveler. You haven't been to Krupnek. Oh, well, neither did I. I don't feel so badly. I don't even know anybody knows where Krupnek is, but anyway, it's a little community, and uh, so I said, sure, let's go to Krupneck. It was only off the highway a couple of miles. And we went there, and they had a beautiful church. I mean, by Eastern European standards, it's one of the nicest I've ever seen. It probably could seat about a couple of hundred people. And uh, as soon as I got there, the pastor arrived. And before he said hello, or how are you doing, or before even even after, after how you were, he said to me, have you got any Bibles we can have? First thing I I said, we're coming through here in two months, and we will bring you some Bibles. We'd love to do that. I, I, I wish you could come with us sometime. Pastor, I wish you'd come. You'd be thrilled to go to churches and provide Bibles for people who have never had a copy of the Word of God. And so two months later, we arrived. And uh, to say the church was full is an understatement. I mean, there were no empty chairs, friends. Not only that, I would say there was at least as many people standing as there were seated. The place was packed, jammed. Uh, You can't believe the number of people. And we had a wonderful service, as you can imagine, the altar service and all the rest of it. And after it was all over, that part of it, the pastor got up and said, Our uh, Christian friends uh, have come to bring us Bibles this evening. And oh, I'll tell you, you talk about getting excited. I mean, a lot of people get excited when their country wins a gold in the Olympics or something. But when you start talking to people about Bibles who have never had a copy of the Word of God, they begin to, to clap their hands and, and wave their hands and cry and laugh and show all the kinds of emotion. And so the pastor had them line up in the center aisle. Just two sections like we have here, only they were long this way. Very wide. He had them line up four and five deep. Uh, wide and right down and out the door. Now, there may have been somebody that was seated, but I honestly don't remember anybody being seated. I think everybody in the place needed a Bible, and so they were all standing, and we started to give out Bibles. Well, it was thrilling because I always get involved when it comes to that because it's so exciting, and I gave a, a Bible to a lady, and this lady right here reminds me a little bit of the lady I gave Sally? Okay. I don't know what this lady's name in Kruteck was, but I'm going to call her Sally. So I'm, I'm, Sally here, Sally there, Sally everywhere. All right. And so I gave Sally a Bible. And went, well, take my Bible, Sally. Oh. I gave Sally the Bible. And Sally began to cry. Now that's not unusual. You know that I have seen thousands, literally thousands of women. I have given so many Bibles in my life privilege. I've seen thousands of women cry, but I've seen thousands of men cry too. It's such an emotional thing when you've never had a Bible. You can hardly imagine it, friend. You've always had Bibles. You've grown up with them. But couldn't you imagine never, ever having a Bible where you can read John 316, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Never had a Bible. She began to cry. But what was different about this woman was she I mean, the water was running out like a small Niagara Falls out of her eyes onto the ground floor. And I was staring there, watching her, amazed. I could get over this woman the tears. I've never seen anything like it. And then when her eyes closed, she took the Bible, and she began to kiss the Bible all over. And I was staring at her, and I was, wow. And all of a sudden, she opened her eyes. And I felt embarrassed here. I am staring at the woman, and she looks at me. And before I could say, I'm sorry, I really didn't need to be staring at you. This woman, she takes a leap at me, and she jumps on me and starts hugging me. Well, and then she didn't let me go. Well, I'll tell you, if it wasn't for the pastor, I didn't know what I would have done. But he came along, and he rescued me. Thank God for pastors and their ministries. Anyway, he delivered me. And then he said to me, he said, I want to tell you about Sally. He said, you know, Sally is a longtime member of our church. But Sally's never had a Bible. She's wanted a Bible. She's been talking about it for years. And then he said this. I'll never forget it. Never forget it. He said, Sally has been praying for a Bible. I'll tell you, friend, you've got to be there. It's moving. Who do you know that's been praying for a Bible? Have you ever been praying for a Bible? When you find someone that's praying for a Bible, go and buy them a Bible and give it to them. You can't do that in many parts of Bulgaria, Russia, Eastern Europe. This woman crying, praying, because she received a copy of the Word of God. We have 350 translations of the Bible in English. Are you aware of that? We've got as many translations of the Bible in English as there are translations in all of the rest of the languages put together. That's how blessed we are. You probably know eight or ten different translations of the Bible. Well, there's somewhere between 350 and 400 out there if you want to look for them. Thrilling. I was in um, Bulgaria in October, and I I met a man. He told me his story. Most amazing. He said to me, he said, Brother Jim, he said, I was a Muslim. He said, "I, I was really committed. He said, every... Today, he said, I got down on my knees five times, and I faced east to Mecca, and I prayed. Which way is east? Who can help me? Now, some of you are pointing this way, some this way. I, I go, I'm going to go to the authority. Which way is east, Pastor? He doesn't know. Oh, oh, oh. Well, what I want to tell you is your pastor would never be a good Muslim. He doesn't even know where east is. <laughs> Well, anyway, wherever East is, over here maybe, I don't know. He used to pray. But he said, then one day, he said, devastation came to my home. At least he thought that was the way it was. He said, my wife became a Christian. He said, I was furious. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, I was so committed to hear my wife was a Christian. But not only that, but the pastor who led her to the Lord insisted on coming to our home every week to share the word of God with my family he said when he came in the front door he said I bolted out the back door every week I hear him coming and before he entered I left but he said one week he said I was in the back room I didn't hear him come and he said he came into the house and I came out of the back room and ran right into him and he said he was very courteous And said to me, service, that was the guy's name. He said, service, he said, I'm so glad to meet you. I've heard about you. And they talked together. And he said to service, he said, service, I wonder if you would do me a favor. He said, I don't read very well. He was self-taught. He wasn't illiterate, but he stumbled and started when he read very poorly. He said, service, you are a good reader. Would you mind before you leave just reading the Bible to us? Well, Servus said to me, he said, I was insulted, a Christian asking me, a Muslim, to read his holy book. And I said, I was was ready to smash him, he said. And then, he said, I thought, wow, me, read the Bible. I can show them. He said, I felt it really elated. He said, sure, I'll read you the Bible. He thought, I'll show them how smart we Muslims are. And so he read the Bible to them. And as soon as he finished his reading, he bolted out the back door. Well, the next week, the same thing happened. And the pastor got a hold of service and said, service, would you read the book again, the Bible for us? And so he thought, all right, I'll show them. So he read the Bible a second week and a third week and a fourth week. And he read it for eight weeks in a row. Friends, I don't have to tell you the rest of the story. The Holy Spirit began to speak through his word without a preacher preaching a sermon the word of God spoke to him. Even as we read tonight, the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And he gave his life to the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Well, the problem was service lived in the middle of the Muslim ghetto. I mean, that's tough going. You know where he is today? He's a preacher of the gospel. Praise God. I've been in his church many times. I shouldn't say many times. That's not right. I've been there two or three times. The fact of the matter is, his church has filled the capacity. Uh, he has over 200 in his congregation. I always remember it because to get on into his church, you have got to go. Well, it's like your church. You have got to go upstairs to the second floor. But you got to go, in his church. You have to go up cement steps on the outside. And the church is so full. When we get there, we arrive early. But doesn't matter. The church is jam-packed and people are in the hallway and down the stairs. you got to get by the people. You get up to the, the auditorium. Just thrilling. And we've had the privilege. And you probably didn't know it, but you have helped us to provide Bibles for every member of his congregation. He said to me the other day, he said, Jim, I know how to lead a Muslim to the Lord because I was a Muslim. He says, as a matter of fact... He said, I led four Muslims to the Lord this week. Wow. How many have you led to the Lord? I usually ask the congregation. I can't find anybody that led a Muslim to the Lord. Maybe you don't even know a Muslim, but there's no reason why we can't. But I know a friend who had led four to the Lord the last time I was talking to him. He said, you know, I even hold open air meetings right here in the ghetto. You talk about being courageous for the Lord. I mean, you know the fanatical Muslims, if they think uh, that one of the members of their family has become a Christian, that they're doing their God a service to kill them? Well, he's out there holding a meeting in the middle of the ghetto. He said, and they come, he said, by the, 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 the hundreds, he said, to hear. He said, it's unbelievable, he said. And I share with them Jesus. He said, you know, I used to drop on my knees five times every day and, and face Mecca. He said, I don't do that anymore. But today, I fall on my knees, and I face Calvary, and I pray to the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Victory in Jesus. I have a pastor friend in Florida. He was telling me the other day how he teaches the youth class in his church, a very large church. He said this week about 65 young people in the congregation uh, in my class. And uh, he said, you know, they come into the class, they spread all over. You know how people do? And uh, so he said, on this particular Sunday morning, he said, I set up the chairs. He said, I just set up six rows of chairs. Removed all the rest of the chairs. So they all had to sit in one of the six rows. He said, when they came in, he said, I said to the class, now... This morning, I've got a real surprise for you. He said, I had a great big white bag, and it was filled with chocolate bars. Well, you know, uh, young people, that go over pretty well, Sunday morning and Sunday school. And so he went, and he gave everybody in the first row a chocolate bar. Everybody in the second row a chocolate bar. Everybody in the third row a chocolate bar. And then he went back to the front of the church, or the class. And he said, all right, now we're going to start class. Well... Wow. <laughs> You can imagine young people in rows four, five, and six. said, wait, hold on. We didn't get a chocolate bar. Oh, the pastor said, how could I do that? He took his big bag, and he came back, and he gave row one a second chocolate bar, and row two a second chocolate bar. And then he came back to the front and said, All right, let's take our Bibles now and study the Word of God. Well, rows four, five, and six, they got rebellious. They began to wave their hands. They said, We haven't been served yet. Oh, the pastor said, How could I do it? He took the big bag of chocolate bars and he went back to row one and gave them a third chocolate bar. And the second row, well, third chocolate bar. And the third row, well, third. And came back to the front. Well, by this time, rows four, five, and six were ready to string the pastor right up on the wall. I mean, they were really angry and upset. He said, you know, that day, I gave rows one, two, and three, six chocolate bars each. He said, rows four, five, and six didn't get any. Then he said, I said to those in rows four, five, and six, Now you know how half of the world feels when they see the other half getting the gospel and the word of God and the message of Christ over and over and over again and they remain unserved. I want to tell you in the last few moments of my message this morning about an unserved group of people. I was conducting a Seminar for Ministers in Macedonia. I've done it a number of times. Very thrilling part of our ministry. Men who've had no formal Bible training. They need the basics. And uh, after the session was over, I had a man come up to me. And he was well-dressed with a dark suit, white shirt, tie. Really dignified looking. And he stood before me, Pastor, and and he just wept. And he was shaking. I found out later he was... Church in Macedonia, and he said to me, Brother Jim, why can't we have a Bible in our language? He said, We are a race among races. What he meant was that the gypsy people they're everywhere and nowhere. I mean, they have no home. There's 15 million in Europe, a million in North America. He said, Well, we, we have no home. He said, But we have never had a Bible in our language. We need a Bible that our people can read. And immediately I thought of the fact in English we have 350 or 400 translations of the Bible. Some of you like the King James and some of you don't. It doesn't matter. There's 350 to choose from. They don't have one. When he said that, it haunted me. And has until this day. Why can't we? Have a copy of the scriptures? Why? Why should it be? Just a few weeks later, we began our translation of the New Testament into the Roma language. It's a very difficult job. We're not just translating the King James or some other version of the Bible. We're going back to the Greek. But the real problem is there's so many words that just don't exist in the Roma language. And so you have a Greek word or whatever, English, if you will, and there's no word in in Roma, so you've got to try to put it all together. It's a very, very difficult job. I don't know whether you know anything about the Roma people or not, but let me just share this with you. They came from northern India 500 years ago to Europe. And they were ill-treated. Most of them served as slaves. Many of them were hunted like animals by certain countries and even put to death. And the Nazis exterminated them. Here's a fact that you may not be aware of. During the time of the Holocaust, when people were slaughtered, there was only one race, one race that was singled out for extermination outside of the Jews. One race. And it was the gypsies, the Roma. We don't know how many were put to death in the gas chambers or the firing squads, but an educated guess says that there were upwards of a million Roma gypsies that died. The gypsies have had a tough life. They've had very little access to education, as you're very well aware, or medical services or education. 90% of them are unemployed. I said to one of my gypsy pastor friends the other day, the, the gypsy pastor that I refer to is the only gypsy in the entire world that is known to have an earned master's degree in divinity. And he's only a few subjects short of a doctor. If you only had the time, he'd finish it off. But he's so involved in so many things. But he said to me, I said, how do they live? How do they survive? And this is what he said to me. He said, they either beg or they steal or they starve. Wow, what a situation to be in. I was in the church in Raslog in Bulgaria, and we were helping them uh, set up some programs for their youth and for their Sunday school, and the pastor said to me, he said, come on with me, I want, to, I want to take you someplace. I thought he was taking me to the restaurant. I thought, boy, this is great. And so we went out, but he didn't take me to some nice buffet restaurant. In fact, he didn't even take me to McDonald's. I mean, he didn't even take me to the restaurant. Instead of going to the restaurant, he took me to the city dump, if you can imagine. Here I am standing in the garbage dump of a large city. And, I mean, there's dirt, and there's disease, and there's rodents, and there's, I mean, I thought, what on earth am I doing here? And we looked around, and there was all these gypsy people Working. They were going through the garbage, trying to retrieve anything that they could recycle and get a little bit of money, some tin or glass or whatever. And watch them. Very interesting. And they were all organized on their own. And this group here, they would take this garbage truck when it came in, and this group over here, the next garbage truck. And they would stand, and they would get as close to the garbage truck as possible when it was dumping its load because they wanted to get the glass or tin or whatever. And they would dump its load all over it, their clothes, the dirt, the filth, how they weren't injured. Or killed, I don't know. But then, when they'd gone through the garbage, there was nothing more to do, and there was a lull. And so the pastor that was with me, he said, would you like to speak to them? I said, well, okay. And so he called them. And every one of them came. I mean, it was either listen to me or watch the rodents, so they came to hear me. And so they came over, and I was able to take the Bible, and I read the Word of God, and I shared with them very simply. The gospel of Christ. And there in the dump, I gave an invitation. Friends, just about every one of us that were there raised their hands and we want to give our lives Amen. to Jesus Christ. And then we prayed the sinner's prayer. Wow, what a time in the garbage dump! You know, I, I stood there and I, I felt ten feet tall because I thought of Billy Graham. I don't know, I thought Billy Graham preaching to the hundreds and millions of people out there. In crusades around the world. But Billy Graham's never been in the Rasmov dump, I was. <laughs> I, I thought of Rick Warren. Rick Warren wrote the book on purpose-driven life. It's been read by more people than any other nonfiction book in the world, except for the Bible. But Rick Warren is sitting down there in sunny California. Great man of God. I, I love that man. I wouldn't, you know, I mean, don't mean anything negative there at all. Great man. You thought of young D. Cho. He's over there with a million members in his congregation in Seoul, Korea. But none of them have been in the dump where I was. And as I stood in the dump, I reminded myself of the words of Jesus. When he said, for as much as you do this, to the least of these my brethren, you do it unto me. Praise God. Oh, what a thrill to share the gospel of Jesus. As we walked out of the dump, the pastor who had taken me there said to me, I've never been here before myself. He said, "Um, you know, he said, "Uh, five of my young people this year are going to university. I went through the ghetto with him just a couple of days before and saw the dirt floors and troughs where human beings drink from water where the animals drink from. I mean, you can't imagine how filthy and dirty and disease-filled place it was. But out of that environment, five of his young people in a church a little bit larger, perhaps than yours, are going to university. They're joining three that are already there. He's got eight university students, one in medicine, another in law, another one for an MBA program. Because when Jesus comes into your heart, he changes the whole man. Praise God. Everything is new. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus but they still don't have a copy of the word of God. It haunted me. This week, two days before I left home, pastor called me from Bulgaria where they're translating the Bible. He said, we're now proofreading it. We're up to the book of Philippians. He said, in just a matter of a few weeks, we'll have it done, and we're going to print it, and when we go over there in just a couple of months, we're going to have the privilege of presenting the first copy of the Roman New Testament to people who have never had a copy of the Word of God. Can you say amen? It's going to cost us about $5 to print every copy because it's the first edition. In our missionary offering this evening, in fact, probably everything that's given here tonight will go for that unless it's designated for some other Bible. But why should we have two when they can't even get one? 350 to 400 copies. You can read Moffat or you can read Phillips. You can read the New King James or you can read some other. But they've never had a Bible. God challenge our hearts tonight with missions and the Word of God. Amen. Right. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege we've had of sharing the burden of our hearts with these beautiful people that have stood with us. Thank you for Pastor David and his missionary heart and this congregation and this leadership. We give you thanks tonight. We pray, oh God, that you challenge us afresh and new, realizing Jesus is coming soon. An iron curtain could rise tomorrow. We must be about our Father's business while it is day. Help us, Lord, that we might pray, that we might give, that we might go. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.